Hello there. Hello. Can everyone can everyone hear me? Let me know when you can hear me. Welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome to to to. Well, outside in York today, it is doing all of the weathers. Yesterday we had a ping pong ball sized um, uh, hail. Now we just had a rumble of thunder. I should have opened the window so you can get like the rain and thunder action. But anyway, uh, I'm not going to do it because it makes my hair stand on end. It's very humid here. Uh, yeah, hello, hello. I need to get better at doing the not pausing because I need to make a smoother intro for the audio-only people. Hello, audio-only people. Hello, hello. Oh, right. I had coffee earlier and uh, I've been drinking a lot of decaf recently because otherwise I'd, I'd have... Uh, heart problems and i had two flat whites with full full fat caffeine and i am shaking normally caffeine didn't used to affect me which probably is more of a damning indictment on how much of it i had uh anyway enough of that waffling there is so much to talk about today i barely on top of how much news there is there is so much news oh my goodness um so let's let's crack on with the news uh, to see what's going on some of it is uh Oh, anyway, right, let's just talk about it. So, first, ah, before we do that, though, obviously, uh, we've got to look at our COVID uh, ridership. Oh, and also, I need to get my Wacom out so I can scribble on things. Uh, this is obviously going to be whacked by some of the big news, of the, which we'll get to. Annoyingly, I think ridership will take a bit of a... It's going to muck up the ridership numbers uh, quite substantially, which will be annoying. There we go. Oh, uh, oh, there's some more news, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to press this button here. Uh, so you can see that this weird, I don't know what this spike is, feel free to suggest what this uh, spike is, I don't know what it is, uh, kind of the, this drop spike, I don't know what it is, but I'd be interested to know, um, I suppose likewise this one, are these eccentricities in the data, I don't really know, that's that's for road, so that's, that's for road, uh, there you can see road generally continuing to rise quite steadily, if I did a weekly av rolling average it would be a pretty flat upwards rise, cycling as ever, bouncing all over the place, um, bus services uh, generally kind of recovering. They're sat at around uh, 60% usage at the moment, 60% of pre-COVID times. Rail uh, is hovering around just under the 40% mark. So you can see rail there, obviously the provisional numbers only are in and they're usually a bit rubbish. Generally, the real numbers are a bit higher. However, uh, because of all this IET stuff, uh, I'm kind of expecting this to drop a bit. So, which is at the exact time the industry needs to not be uh, losing patrons, we we've managed to shoot ourselves in the foot. I mean, it, we'll talk about that when we get to the news, right? Oh, but anyway, there's there's the numbers. I'll continue to put these up every week um, because it's interesting to sort of follow the trace. We won't, won't maybe say much more than that about um, about the COVID numbers. Right next, the news. So, well, there's so much to talk about. Uh, I've actually chopped something. Well, there are some things I've chopped, which we'll maybe talk about next week, if depending on what news items come up, because there's, there's there's so much to get through. In any case, and I also want to talk about buses later. Uh, believe it or not, that is what the episode says. So, first piece. Um, obviously, put now that the election has happened, uh, the the government are rolling back their promises about roads, but also they're wrapping into that promises about. Um, rail projects as well and and we're going to touch on what that means shortly i oh, really should get rid of ads off here go go away that ad anyway um 
Sorry, it's for, for screenshotting things, but I'd recommend if you want to have a bit of an insight on this, I'd recommend Carlton Reed's piece in Forbes. Actually, quick read. Uh, you just need to switch your ad blocker off, uh, and he quotes me at the bottom of it, uh, which is good because it provides some kind of context in a lot of the doomsaying and and sort of discussions about uh, well, the future of projects going on. Um, next. Next news item. So that's so that's a project call there going on. Discussion about reducing the amount of projects within Risk Two that are going to be built. Blah blah blah. Uh, next, happy news! Hooray! Uh, Mayor James Palmer has not only been voted out, but has decided to quit politics. Uh, probably because he had a nice rosy lobbying job lined up for himself afterwards. Anyway, uh, generally with these sorts of people, po- po- the political career is merely just a thing that they can then put on their CV to get the really big number of jobs uh, working for you know, a consultancy or whatever. Um, so, uh, yeah, Palmer's gone. Nasty piece of work. He's gone. And with him goes Cam. Uh, so that's the uh, the Cambridgeshire Autonomous Metro, which isn't just in Cambridgeshire. It wasn't autonomous and isn't a metro. Um, that It's gone. It's It's been binned. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, now, people might people are kind of fairly rightly saying, well, is that really a good thing to get rid of a mass transit project? Isn't the whole problem in Britain that we do and don't do, that we, that we say we're going to do something, then we don't do it? Well, yes and no. The issue is that if you have a vanity, and I don't use the, the word vanity project lightly, but this literally was a project created to make this man with his, this picture that he puts everywhere. All of his press releases come out with this JPEG, a high-resolution JPEG of him doing this face. Uh, good riddance to it. Um, if you create a project for the sake of being a project that makes you look good rather than actually being based on the needs of an area, then it is ripe for going and, and being binned if you create a project based on a broad coalition of needs based on political buy-in from all parties you're actually doing something that's not for your own vanity but for the benefit of the people that you represent then the project will stick around so uh, that's my response to people worrying and more importantly it means that um uh, nick johnson who's taken over from uh, james palmer <coughs> Uh, is more interested in bus franchising, in improving parking arrangements, you know, restrict more parking restrictions, and generally doing a better job with what there is in the short to medium term. Um, and I think that's the right thing. But hopefully, um, Nick Johnson will then look at uh, mass transit again in the kind of the medium to longer term, uh, because Cambridge doesn't it, it does need more, but. Nick Johnson has talked about buses, has talked about making better use of existing rail connections, stuff that kind of making better use of what's there in the short to medium term is the right thing to do. Um, so good riddance to Cam. It's gone. Um, what's next? Uh, oh, yeah, the DFT are up to shenanigans again. So as ever, DFT with their finger on the pulse in no way whatsoever. Um, are, and to be fair, this is Treasury, not the DFT. I'm being mean about the DFT. The DFT are merely doing what Treasury is telling them to do. Treasury, abolish the Treasury, um, are saying uh, that they want to use flexible rail season tickets to limit and force limit the way people don't travel, limit people's flexibility and force them to travel to work more often. What a fantastic way to make people not travel by rail. What an unbelievably stupid policy idea. The railway is there to serve. It is there to provide what people need. It is not on us to limit and alter the way people move around and travel. We need to respond to how people travel. We do need to, and we need by providing a consistent, frequent, and accessible service. This is just bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Uh, so, um, yes, this is just... Oh, my goodness. Uh, um, so, yeah, DFT are up to shenanigans again. Oh, what's really good is when I do spelling right. Wait, watch this, watch this. In, wait for it. 
There we are. That's better, isn't it? Inclusive language baffles easily offended. Yeah, this has just happened just now, like today, where people are becoming angry because LNER, someone corrected, um, called out LNER and just said, look, I've just had an announcement that said, ladies and gentlemen, um, LNER's policy is to say, welcome to the train, everyone, not specify. That way, language is inclusive. Um, but the people who claim others are more are easily offended, but actually the ones who are easily offended themselves don't like this. Um I'd suggest everyone goes up and goes and everyone who's angry about this goes and looks up the meaning of the word inclusive. Um, congratulations to LNER in politely and sensibly responding. Their social media team are now uh, enduring hell, as are everyone, and it's a horrible mess. But for goodness sake, um, you know, non-binary identities are valid, folks. Uh, ladies and gentlemen doesn't cover everyone. Uh, so use different language, which does include everyone. Easy. Very easy. Uh, as LNER uh, accepted. In, to their to their great credit, the team are great uh, at LNER. They they fix what th- fix things as best they can. Anyway, what else? Okay, so we'll get onto the two big uh, news items. Uh, Lawrence did call LNER out rightly, and LNER responded really well. Uh, credit to Lawrence. Unfortunately, La- I believe Lawrence Fox has now found Lawrence's tweet and is now dunking on it. Uh, so, good God, apologies for your mentions, Lawrence. Uh, the other evil Lawrence is anyway. Yes. So. Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, what am I doing? I'm going here to the big news or some of the big news. There's so much news. This news. Uh, Graham Harris, exactly. Everyone. Well, I don't need to say, need to say people. just need to say everyone. Just need to say welcome uh, welcome on board, everyone. Or welcome on board. You don't even need to specify. Just say welcome on board, which is what LNER said. You know, it's, it's, it, it's kind of sorted. Right. Here's a picture of uh, an Intercity Express train. Um, this kind of looks like it's in Casado actually or is it or is it in italy uh i'm gonna guess casado because there's japanese over here in the back corner uh is that is that, is that yeah, yeah there um anyway uh this is an intercity express train these are the kind of the, the these through through what can only be described like firstly let's frame this properly these are great trains right they have their they have some issues some of their internal specs are a bit a bit naff the lighting the seats are things that not everyone likes but these are great train they are good trains folks they are good trains however also equivalently also simultaneously true is that these were a public procurement catastrophe uh because they cost way more than they should have were part of an unbelievably complicated pfi ppp mess um enacted by the by new labor and then continued by the the um coalition government just a shambles uh eyes pass him i'd recommend referring back to countless private eye stories about this it's just a shambles however that doesn't make it a bad train um but there have been some issues identified. I'm going to do some funny to this picture, so you can sort of, so we can talk about what the issues, where the issues have been. Here is me upping the or downing the contrast, so that we can see things going on. Down here, down here is this thing, which is a bogey. Here is a bogey. Um, here you can see uh, this is a thing. There's, there's a thing uh, attached to the bottom of the frame. Part of this is connecting. So here you can see a connection to the yaw damper. There's the yaw damper. Um, this was an issue a few weeks ago. And it was identified as an issue. Now, 
a new issue has, has arisen, or, or which is here, which is on the jacking point, uh, which I think if I jump to the next picture, here is a, an IET song bits and pieces. Uh, you can just see the body frame here. It's, uh, it's formed of aluminium extruded panels, kind of welded together. Um, actually, I can see you can sort of see the weld here. In fact, I think, am I going to do I zoom in on this? You can see the part that we were talking about a minute ago. If I zoom in on this, yes, I have zoomed in on it. This is the jacking point. Uh, anyone who's in here who wants to correct me is welcome to, but I believe this is the jacking point. And the issues have been spotted in, um, uh, let me think, there are, what, Ellis says there are 156 tra uh, IET trains in the UK right now. I think I think quite a lot of them are current. What's happening is they're being inspected for cracks. Cracks were spotted. I was trying to find the picture, but I couldn't find it. Cracks have been spotted. Actually, it's not only in the IETs. Cracks have been spotted in the Class 385. So they're based on the a kind of a, a, slight, a similar platform, but designed for, for kind of commuting rather than uh, long-distance uh, high-speed stuff. Uh, they're the ScotRail um, kind of electric intercity fleet. Uh, and also, I believe, issues, but dis slightly different issues, have been spotted on the... Um, on the the javelins, which are the three nine fives, aren't they? So, all of the um, all of the IET related sort of um, what are they? A A A train platform trains. All of them have got some issue uh, picked up in relation to welding. We're going to find out. Hopefully, Hitachi will be comfortable enough to publish their findings so that we understand what the issue is. Uh, they've been as honest as they can sensibly be at this point. I think all credit to Hitachi. You know, the, the Hitachi UK and Europe team don't want to stop their trains running. This is clearly not a situation they want. So they're do, they'll be do, undoubtedly doing everything in their power to, to understand the problem. I just will willing them to be as open as possible. Uh, you know, the big masters at Hitachi might not want that openness, but you know, in Japan might not want that openness. I hope they are going to be open. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that for now. The, the just kind of considerations for this are ongoing, but I've seen a lot of nonsense about, you know, there's a lot of nonsense about these trains being not being British trains. These trains are no more or less British than any modern train on the network right now. Um, so so ignore that. And also, oh, I was going to put the picture in, actually. Um, uh, oh, there's a the, the, the disc. I, I, I can't, oh, maybe I can check the disc. Over, uh, there we are. Oh, yeah, there's a nice picture. Oh, I can't put it into the, I can't be clever enough to put it into the, but there are, there is a picture going around of the crack on that. I think it is the jacking point there that I've kind of specified. It takes time to individually assess these, uh, the, 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 the fixing, you know, the, the welding of these requires the removal of the, the, veritable cardiovascular system of electric loom you know wiring within the train for them to allow to, to do the weld repair however they're not gonna have to do this all at once the the plan currently is that they, they've i think they've they've they're getting to the point where they reckon that the, the normal service will be largely resumed kind of um by the end of the week i think that's the hope um i, I think the plan they've, they've broadly got an agreed way forward to the or uh here's hoping and um and, and okay, this next bit is speculation for me even if they were, then I think the idea is that these are, it's not, they're just ensuring that this is not a safety critical failure that can fail the result in a failure during running. Then what they can do is basically retire, you know, kind of ground individual units and then fix each unit in turn, whilst, you know, with one or two units out of service getting the work done is not catastrophic to operation. It tightens operation up, means a little bit less resilience, but it, it's not catastrophic. So I think that's what will happen. There'll just be a kind of a rolling program of, of corrective welding works, if, if indeed it needs it to happen at all. Uh, yeah, I could share the screen, Ella, but uh, too, I have too many windows and there's too much chaos. Um, and I don't want to accidentally show any 
usernames or anything, blah, blah, blah. Right, so, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's in the Discord. The picture can be in the Discord for anyone who's to look at it um, on the Discord server. So, so head over there to have a look. Um, what else I can say? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing, point I was going to make is, uh, oh, and I totally forgot to bring this one up. But basically, um, uh, image. there's an image, which, uh, in fact, a news story about the fact that the Intercity 225, uh, where can I, can I get this picture up? Can I, can I, can I do it? I maybe can't. Let me go down here. Da, 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 da. Um, yes, yes, yes. No, there it is. This picture here, uh, which I'm now going to cleverly drop into the slides as if, as if by magic. Uh, here we are, uh, and expand this picture to here. Uh, good golly, this is this is on the hoof. Shugly, right. There's an image. It's a very pixel-rationed image. This is an image of an Intercity 225, uh, which derailed near Sandy at 100 miles an hour um, after uh, one of the wheels on the Mark IV coaches failed. Um, it was very. It was in 1998. It was very soon after Esheda. Uh, and it, you know, go and watch the Well, There's Your Problem podcast episode to find out about that. So everyone got very nervous, and the whole fleet was grounded for inspections. Um, so this is not a new thing. The, uh, a lot of people were getting high and mighty about HSTs. Uh, a reminder that the HSTs used to randomly open their doors into traffic and more scarily used to... Um, they shoot several, I think several times at speed, their, the couplers between the Mark III coaches just sheared entirely and split the train at speed. So um, this happens, you know, far better that Hitachi are picking up the problem before there are any, pro- before there are any dangerous occurrences much better than it happens now than later, but obviously it is a bit of a problem. You know, it's not exact at a time when we need to be building confidence in the industry and getting people back on board. This is clearly not ideal. So, but it's been nice to see the whole the the, 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 the railway has become uh, a timetable planner's nightmare. But there are just a huge number of random bits of rolling stock floating around in different parts of the country um, in order to you know kind of replace these these trains, get them get or kind of temporarily provide some seats for people to get on on the railway. So actually, it's been a really exam- good example of the railway family transcending commercial boundaries um i hope there won't be any kind of wranglings afterwards but there's a lot of effort to just pull for the, the, the rail industry at its finest actually which is pulling together um in a in a crisis and solving some problems so some seriously fantastic work happening with the train operating companies with the you know train leasing uh, as far as that from from what i can see lots of really positive stuff going on as as people um pull together to try and s- provide a solution in the temporary um for passengers you know kind of making the uh, the passengers who are being disrupted lives their lives are a little bit less uh, horrible. So, um, yay, Liam. So, uh, right, let me continue uh, to talk about the news. Uh, next news item is the most important one I'm going to talk about. Um, the most important one I'm going to talk about today. Uh, it's a biggie, which is um, that the government are pushing, uh, and this hopefully is going to kind of uh, appear a bit more in the next, uh, hopefully the next week or so, as more people hopefully will talk about this, because this is big news, to my mind, major big news. Um, Yes, Network Rail are being forced to make pretty massive cuts to their costs. And this extract here, um, this is an extract of, they're they're calling the, they're they're going to be calling it modernization. So whoever in the Network Rail branding team uh, came up with that name, is someone who is not steeped in in railway history because anyone else will know that modernization was a, a the last time that word was used to refer to a, a major alteration of the way the railways operated it was uh broadly an in, a complete calamity so they're calling it modernization which is obviously going to go well maybe maybe it's someone who knows exactly what they're doing to call it that maybe um 
someone cynical enough. This is the this is why I push so hard against the idea of um, the railway being in decline or that the, the kind of passenger numbers are in terminal decline. Even like in mainland Europe, is anyone talking about railway cuts? In even the US, are they talking about infrastructure cuts, railway cuts? This at a time when we need when we have a chronic skills shortage and a desperate need to to increase the railway's capacity to get modal shift away from road and air, but particularly from road, we have government forcing Network Rail to make cuts off the back of a pandemic that was nothing to do with the railway. It was a global pandemic. It was a dope global crisis. God, it's not the railways. like this, the, the, the debt that the railways built up is not a big deal. That's for government to worry about, not for the railway to worry about. And ultimately, that debt is irrelevant. It's just we've just dropped into meaningless... The money doesn't, it doesn't exist. It is meaningless. So the idea that the railway is in some debt that it needs to dig itself out of, what on earth does this mean? We cost too much. According to what and who? By what measure? Uh, and this, unfortunately, this, all, this whole narrative is going to be used, this whole thing, the idea, we're now in a situation where the rail industry is bankrupt. Again, by what measure? Why is the railway bankrupt? What? We're costing the government £32 million a day. That doesn't sound like that much, to be honest, but... Like, yes, that's because a global, everyone's been told to stay at home so they can't travel by rail. Um, this is then going to be used as a tool to reduce the amount that's invested in the railways. And this will also play into the into the hands of people who say that HS2 is taking all the money at the expense of the existing railway because they will be right if this stuff goes forwards. It is the only thing that's a crisis for rail is that the railways have a crisis of leadership. That's the only crisis going on right now, a crisis of leadership people with a backbone to push back against this nonsense from government it is just i'm sorry this is an abhorrent situation when staff at network rail are already massively overstretched are already working their, themselves thin we already have infrastructure that is frankly creaking and needs a hell of a lot more uh, attention at a time when we have infrastructure failures from a lack of climate resilience you know the ba- network rail are doing their best to keep on top of it but the battle is 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 a losing battle because of the double kind of battle of more trains need to be run, plus more pressure from a changing climate. The idea that we need to be shrinking the railways is, it's just really, really, I mean, it's difficult to put into words how daft this is. So um, get shouting at your MPs, get shouting at your union representatives, make a lot of noise about this. This is going to get me in a lot of trouble. I'm get, definitely going to get an email from my work about being angry about this, but I'm sorry, this is something that I that is very important. And that we need to be making that needs to be a lot of noise, and government needs to kind of pull away from this utterly destructive um, route. There, I'm, I mean, people say, "Ah, but the railways can be more efficient." We're always trying. The railways are always trying to be more efficient. What do you think people are doing? We're not just trying to just burn money. No one is trying to do that. The idea that this is basically going to come from potentially major staffing reductions um, is I just it's just mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing. Oh. <sighs> Yes, agreed to all the people in the chat. I'm not going to repeat some of those uh, statements, but uh, yes, I agree with all of them. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty angry about that, as you might imagine. Uh, so if you've got any, if you want to talk about this, um, talk to your union representative, uh, send me a message, I don't know, chat about it. If you've got anything else you want to, you want to share, this needs, a, a stink needs to be kicked up against this because it is, it just boggles the mind, absolutely boggles the mind. So... There's more news, which I, which so so this is a blank slide because there's other news. There's 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 news about the death of further death of devolution as as government tries to strip more powers from transport for the north. Somehow Heathrow expansions made it back onto the menu. 
um uh oh the 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 ONS have released the, the Office for National Statistics have released re-released their homeworking data set, which is very interesting. So that's that's something else. I might squeeze these into next week's news if nothing comes up. Um, uh, the fact that, that the railway, because of the IET stuff, is almost like becoming like a heritage working situation with so many weird combinations of rolling stock is quite fun. And actually, the um, the Network Rail Stations competition winner has been announced. I kind of wanted to talk about that, but there's, I don't think there's enough time. So we'll we'll do that next time. But there's more news which we will cover next time. Oh, in the meantime. In the meantime, let's talk about um, buses. This is, once again, we're going to do a PDF uh, flick um, about the bus report. It's already nearly half past. Good grief. I knew it would happen like this. I'm so sorry, everyone. Um, we're going to talk about bussing back better. So, on the, you know, the, considering we've got uh, discussion in even the Queen's speech. Actually, I didn't put the Queen's speech stuff in about rail. There's stuff about, you know, the Williams Review is theoretically going to be released in the next couple of weeks. Um Goodness knows what that's going to talk about. Uh, the, the the rehashed Williams Chaps white paper. I don't know what they're actually calling it now. Um, oh, yeah, Crossrail as well. Crossrail is kind of getting on it. That's another... See, there's so much news. There's just too much news for me to have covered in a rail natter. It's, it's un- normally I can kind of broadly keep on top of it. Um, anyway, uh, the government is kind of saying some things that are not crazy, and this was an example of it. This, you know, this and the gear change report, which is about cycling infrastructure and, and active travel infrastructure more broadly... These are good documents, and I'm hopefully going to flick through this and say why I think this is a good document. I know, I mean, there's a foreword by Boris the Crate. Oh, we'll get to that page anyway. Uh, but anyway, um, I like this report, and we're going to talk about it. So um, all that angry news-based stuff that I've been shouting about, let's pause that for a moment. More discussion in the Discord and perhaps next week. Um, in the meantime, welcome to tonight's Rail Natter! <laughs> a bit weird on the audio because i had the audio coming through my speakers and not into my ears but yeah that's the intercity 225 fading out of course um that was a bit weird on the audio sorry everyone anyway uh yes let's talk about buses uh oh no sorry buses uh there uh for the benefit of the audio only people that was a picture of a class 141 pacer uh yeah buses here is a bus a bus uh is well what is a bus uh, a bus is is a it's basically a, a metal cuboid um, upon which, rather than steel wheels, you sit it onto pneumatic tires like this. Uh, you can have you know two axles or four axles, or in some cases of some of the super fancy, uh, super super fancy uh, buses, you can have like eight axles. They get pretty snazzy. Um, and what you do is, uh, rather than a railway, it drives around on the road, and it can go places the railway can't. And uh, they're they're cheap to run. They are um, incredibly useful. They also are driverless, uh, by which I mean you as a person don't have to drive it. There's a person here. It's, there's, they're they're kind of a complicated computer machine called a drive called a bus driver, and they sit here in this this bit here, uh, red red outline on a red bus paint color. Anyway, as you can see here, that there isn't actually one, but uh, normally there'd be a bus driver there, and it means that you don't have to drive this machine. It drives itself. It's very, very, very clever. These are good things. Um, these, contrary to what... Oh, wait a minute. Let's get my miniaturized face up here. Hello, everyone. I'm in the corner. Hi. 
Oh, breathe. Also, maybe have some water. Yeah, there's a picture of a national bus uh, in lovely Midland red. On its way to Kov as well. The 776 to Kov. In any case, um, this bus, yeah, buses generally are a good thing. Railways should not be competing with buses. Uh, as Andy Burnham said, oh yeah, that was another piece of news. Andy Burnham's excellent um, uh, little transport snippet he did. I like that. I kind of wanted to, I, I did one of those in Denton actually a couple of years ago, didn't I? I got the, the MP noticed as well. Anyway, uh, more of that please, Burnham. Anyway, uh, buses, as, bu- as he said in that video, it's daft that the bus tra- uh, competes with the tram. Uh, yes, it is daft. Buses, trams, and trains all do different things and achieve different things and are useful for different reasons. Um, buses are good for the fringes or filling in gaps in urban areas where you know you don't want to. Uh, you know, urban construction is expensive, so you kind of have a high density mass transit corridor or or, or sort of medium capacity corridor with a, with something like Metrolink, and then you feed into that with buses. This is a good idea. Uh, buses are good, but let's go into the report, which will tell us why there are problems with buses. Let's uh, let's do just that. I think the next picture is going to be my blank reminder to Alt-Tab slide. So let's Alt-Tab to the Bus Back Better report. Here it is. Um, there we are. Uh, yeah, Rick Townend. You're absolutely right. A bus is an important add-on to the rail network. This is, you know, public transport. Um, public transport is part, has to be part of a, a, a kind of... It's a bit jargony, but I, public transport has to be part of an ecosystem, right? It has to be part of it, you know, all of these different systems. You know, things like the e-scooter that I was riding on earlier to get into town. The, the, the micro mobility plus buses plus trams plus uh, plus trains and to a certain extent you know taxis do feed into that in certain areas where where you need you know you need to provide additional service for for disabled people or, or whatever it happens to be you know they they're part of that ecosystem of 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 kind of non private travel and so uh, so this report came out and and I think there's no better way to introduce it than to kind of let the well actually we'll skip over Bojo's introduction because it's Bojo. But anyway, there's yeah, there's a forward from the prime minister where he kind of tries to like backdate the canon where he made up the stupid thing about crates and bus make and making buses out of crates that he clearly made up on the spot. Uh, he kind of tries to make that canon by talking about it, um, uh, kind of retconning it into reality. Uh, but then, to be fair, he kind of says broadly he says things that actually are difficult to disagree with. Like buses are important. And uh, anyway, let's let's so here we are. And then there's the, 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 the introduction. Then there's like five chapters which talk about buses and opportunity, uh, what the vi- government's bi- vision for buses is, uh, how to do that with in terms of services, and then also kind of with a more passenger focused. And then the last chapter is about the kind of the green bus revolution and, and kind of what they plan to do about making buses greener. Uh, there's some stuff in an appendix about the COVID recovery plan, and then just some finale bits and so here's um yeah here's uh here's, here's bojo's intro which we are going to gloss over but just notice in the first paragraph he 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 kind of ret- is him retconning the whole hobby making models of buses thing which he clearly doesn't do um so yeah i mean he's lying again but anyway uh don't sue me uh but pff, come on but to be fair within this forward all credit to whoever's written this for him slash if he did write this himself uh i mean someone wrote this for him let's face it um he is actually saying sensible stuff. Ignore the kind of the pro- party political stuff. The actual idea that buses are actually really important, simple, cheap, flat fares, these contactless cars, these are actually sensible things. Weekly price capping across operators, uh, rail and tram. Notice that they're talking about t- transport integration. Agree. Have to agree with this. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with it. Of course, the, ac- the fact that government does lots of action that undermines all this stuff is kind of by the by. But broadly, let's just look at the st- strategy paper at the moment. Um, do send me your criticism in the chat, by the way. 
And I will freely admit I'm not a bus expert, so I'm kind of coming at this with my kind of transport system hat on and my kind of broad picture transport system hat on, but I might not get everything right. So just like Gary was last week, do correct me if you think I'm saying things wrong or if there's an an additional bit of interesting bus context you want to add. Uh, Hello to the 114 of you who are watching now, by the way. So, oh, um, in fact, while just before I do that, I'm just going to uh, just going to go in here and I'm going to click this and say... um, uh, I'm just going to type. Uh, we are live and talking about buses, uh, and I'm going to retweet that just to make sure that people know what is going on because uh, it's true. We are now talking about buses. The news is, is finished. Um, so let's let's close Twitter and continue with this. Um, truth is a defence to slander. Well, indeed. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The Boris making buses things. So it comes up on Google if you search for it instead of the red bus with the lies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so you don't see the £350 million to the NHS claim, which uh, obviously was uh, nonsense uh, amongst many other claims during that particular referendum, uh, that particular advisory referendum. Anyway, buses are at the centre of the public transport network, uh, making four new, uh, kind of over four billion journeys in England uh, in, in, 19, 20, in 2019, t- 2020, uh, more than twice as many as the railways. Yeah, this is true. We, we've, we've been looking at the, at the numbers of, of kind of the recovery from COVID. And, and you can see that buses are generally about double uh, in kind of, uh, actually, that's irrelevant because that's the absolute numbers, isn't it? If you, sorry, if you go into modal share, though, you'll see that bus modal share is substantially higher than um, the rail modal share, about about double uh, in lots of cases more than that, um, which is fine. That's You'd kind of expect that because uh, the feeder, the, the, for a lot of people, uh, bus does the job of getting you from where you're, you're kind of residents to, to in urban areas. but And also it, it's kind of a, um, it's an indicator of the fact that we have very poor, urban rail transit outside of london in the uk uh, there are a few examples you know the the tram systems here and there but um but by and large buses are actually the the kind of the, the default go-to urban transit system in, in the uk and so there's lots of chat here about uh, sort of bringing people to jobs study local services good for old people young people disabled people isolated people absolutely um, they save huge amount, uh, kind of millions of tons of carbon uh, and, and kind of emissions, thousands of miles of traffic jams. Absolutely. The double-decker bus is a symbol of Britain. I'm not so sure about Britain's symbols, but anyway. Um, but, and this is again, and this is, what's interesting about this report is the, is, is the good thing, which is admitting, this is kind of the government trying to set itself apart from previous incarnations of itself. They admit that policy has been wrong in the past. Uh, and this basically covers every government for decades uh, where bus policy has just been got wrong. So uh, for decades, buses have been largely ignored by policymakers. I have to say, absolutely true. They have just been ignored. They've been considered a local authority thing, hardly any attention put to it. And so it's, the, the, the thing which I like about this document is that it is, it is government talking about buses and, and, and talking about the way they are going to make that change happen, which to my mind seems like a good thing. So uh, here's some nice pictures. of. There's lots of nice gratuitous good bus pictures throughout here as well. Um, so they're kind of saying like London is a is a role model, but they're saying it's only a partial role model. Um, you know, there there are things that that, they, that the rest of the UK can use the London model, but also there are other things. Um, yeah, so there there are kind of other issues, and I think the graphics that are in this thing, there's a lot of text which will kind of flim uh, kind of flim flam through. Oh, it's York, hooray! Um, uh, there are a lot of graphics, but we'll uh, sorry, not text, but we're going to just focus on the graphics because there are some useful graphics, particularly some of the. Uh, uh graphs that we're going to come to shortly um 
yeah, so this is talking about, so that what's good is that some of this documentation, they, they look at best practice. And actually, when I was reading this for the first time, I was kind of, um, it was just some, some reading to me. This is probably some Gilligan stuff. Yeah, you're, you're right. There is some Gilligan transport advisory input. And Gilligan, I, I disagree with quite a lot that Gilligan has to say. But on bicycles and buses, he's probably reasonably on the mark. Um, yeah, so, so a lot of this will be Andrew Gilligan. Yeah, Boris is kind of a transport guru. Anyway, they, they pick out lots of things. I got I got two-thirds of the way through this, or maybe halfway through this, and I was getting angry because they didn't talk about municipal bus organizations like Nottingham and Reading that are tremendous positive stories. But actually, they did they do talk about it later on. They do talk about it as a success story, and I, and I was quite pleased to see that, given this, the, the shade of this government. Um, I was pleased to talk about the fact that they do see municipal ownership as a, as a, as a positive model for running buses. So... Yeah, there's some, there's actually some good not too partisan stuff in here that I think is is positive. There's lots of detail, lots of sort of um, stuff to do with enhanced partnerships. So LTAs is local transport authorities. Um, uh, you know, what are um, there, there's so much jargon in this thing. The CBSSG. There's a lot of jargon in this report, and it is all explained. But I'll try and remember what the different jargon things refer to. The CBSSG is the kind of the 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 current. Uh, support COVID-19 support grant I think it's being paid to cope for the fact that ridership is lower um, the reference to subsidies is high is not great yeah that's true um, oh yeah the, the report the link to the report is in the description thanks uh, Detour very very good point uh, you can pick this report up and kind of follow along if you like and kind of flip back and forth there's another picture of a gratuitous another gratuitous bus picture which is nice um Oh, my goodness me. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of text. We're going to get there. And this is kind of – I think this is the introduction of what they're kind of aiming for. So they're aiming for um, – there's a kind of a broad green 10-point plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, bus reform. Yeah, okay, let, let's let's get started. So let, let, the opportunity. This is this is kind of talking about – this is kind of laying out the issues. Um, here's some nice oh, – This I should put this in double, shouldn't I? Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah, how did I do that? I can't, I can't remember. Uh, there is a way for me to do this if I go like this – and go to uh, uh, preferences and uh, full screen. Oh, now how did I do this? There's a definite. There's a definite way. Uh, no, I can't. That doesn't matter. You you can all follow. It's fine. We're, we're doing fine. So uh, here we are. So buses are the easiest, cheapest, and quickest way to improve transport. Building your railway road takes years. Yes, true. If not decades, better bus service can be delivered in months. Uh, experience shows that relatively small sums of money by the standards of transport spending can deliver significant benefits. I 100% agree with all of this. And, and a lot of people, it's interesting, a lot of people say with HS2, which I'm sure everyone on here knows I'm a big advocate of, if nothing else, because it shows a sliver of a glimpse of a plan and a bit of strategic thinking. Um, a lot of people say, well, HS2 doesn't come online until after 2030, you know, 2030, and, and we're not really, you know, or, or kind of in, in terms of full, it's not operating in full until kind of the, even the late 2030s. How does that solve problems when we're burning the carbon out? Well, the issue is that's not the short-term solution, and buses are the short-term solution. Buses, we're not going to be able to expand rails capacity to move people around in, you know, in one or two years. So we need to have, we need to be expanding public transport. And buses are the way to, buses are the way to do that. And it might be the case, you know, buses are also a bit of a gateway drug into if you're getting people on public transport, building ridership along a particular corridor with a decent bus service, it might be that that, then, that corridor then merits median capacity systems or full ma full-blown mass transit or more. So buses are a really good gateway drug to generally improving public transport if they're not competing with other modes, that is. Uh, there's someone pleased and handing over a, a bus pass in Brighton and Hove. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're kind of, 
it's an acknowledgement that buses are key to the kind of wider government priorities. Some of their, I mean, I, I don't like the whole leveling up agenda because it's just an election soundbite, but kind of it does fit with the, some of the kind of underlying metrics of that. Uh, bus spending works and is high value for money. Absolutely. Um, by the current Green Book's stupid DFT and HMT measurement business case rules, buses come out consistently come out. And to be honest, they make this is why it shows how much a load of rubbish business case modeling is as a, a cost benefit analysis is. Ultimately, the fact that buses always score high and yet nothing ever really happens about them shows how much of a useless political tool uh, that process is. Um, so, um, yeah, Rick Townend, you're absolutely right. HS2 will need integrated local rail and bus at the endpoints, precisely. Uh, and buses have to be a key part of that. Uh, and really, actually, buses are feeding into the rail feeders for HS2. It's kind of like they're at the, it, it, the tra- public transport is a fractal and buses are kind of halfway out towards the, the fringes of micromobility and just walking and cycling. Um. So the, this, the kind of the challenge, the, the issue with buses is that it's massively in decline. So in 1986, uh, buses were deregulated. Um, uh, so the idea was that buses would be a, kind of a, primarily a commercial affair. But basically, it was just a complete shambles because you ended up with profitable routes getting flooded with a stupid number of different bus companies and buses at the expense of other routes. Uh, kind of timetables were chaos. Services were unstable, confusing, uh, like vehicle, quality of vehicles fell. It's interesting that some of this, yeah, okay, the, the flooding of routes with trains, it didn't happen. But actually, some of the stuff about rolling stock being poor quality as a result of privatization actually holds true. In any case, uh, yeah, kind of the idea that, that this sort of services which could not be run commercially, previously cross-subsidized from the profits of busier routes, now had to be supported by the taxpayer. Hmm, if only they thought about how this works in relation to rail. Anyway... Uh, money available for, I mean, to be fair, they do. They do cross subsidize. That does happen. Um, money available for this fell substantially over the last 10 years, causing severe cuts to supported services. They don't mention the fact that some of the government's public, public, uh, sorry, local authority cuts resulted in further bus cuts. They don't mention that. But anyway, uh, they had the worst successes of bus wars, which saw treat, streets choked with rival vehicles, blah, 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 legacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, deregulation was a complete shit show. Um, so here are some 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 nice graphics. Uh, so so key thing, and, and I, I'm a big fan of this because I like I generally like cooperation. I'm a you know I'm a happy socialist. I but also beyond that, I'm just a person who likes it when people get along. And I think that things problems are best solved when people get along. And and it's true kind of when commercial barriers are kind of dropped, you'll find transport works better. This has been true on the railway in recent years, where kind of the commercial boundaries between train operating companies have been softened, where the boundaries between network ra- the collaboration rather than competition between network rail and train operators has resulted in better service for passengers this is true here um here's an example in, a, in an unnamed busy seaside resort there are two sizable rival bus networks that don't acknowledge each other's existence they publish separate maps um they it means that they're competing for the same visitors which results in parts of the city being totally underserved um, they use the same route numbers for entirely different routes uh over capacity you know too many operators running at certain times of the day uh, there is a multi-operator ticket, but it's much more expensive and it's hard to work out how to use. Yeah, these are just examples of where bus, multiple bus companies in this, operating in the same area is just stupid. Um, yeah, the idea of, not, of bus companies not acknowledging each other's existence to me is 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 Dulawi. Uh, I say this as someone in in in, in our corner of York. Search, bus services finish at like seven p.m. That means that there is not a functional bus service for people who've got drunk quite reasonably, as as, as is nice, quite nice to do, and then are trying to get safely back home uh, without walking uh, for an hour. A bus would be quite nice, and um, and there isn't one uh, because the bus stops after a certain time. Uh, this is uh, this happens in cities, let alone in rural areas. You know, I, I spent I grew up in Inverurie, where we uh, where actually our bus service was pretty damn good into Aberdeen. Fair play. Um, 
But when I then moved to Mid Wales, the bus service was dismal. If I wanted to get into town in a night, uh, I could get into town with like, there was maybe like one useful getting into town bus. If I missed that one, which was common because it was unreliable, um, you know, getting finding my way then into Aberystwyth from Talibont was a, just a mare. I'd often hitch hitchhike my way in which is not not ideal um and then getting back was just not a thing if i wanted to travel back like i think there was like the 10 past 10 that kind of went the weird way around i think that bus is actually now stopped um i'd catch that bus if i was if i was coming home like a like an old granny coming home early in the evening uh no offense to old grannies actually i think old grannies party harder than that uh the reality if i was wanting to come home at regular normal pub times i was walking i was walking back up the four eight a four eight seven back to talwan that's useless so that's rubbish um, and that's just that's just for leisure. Think about people who work late uh, or work sort of outside of nine to five jobs. Total discrimination against people who work sort of shift patterns. Just useless. Uh, complex ticketing. Uh, yeah. So this is kind of many different weekly, monthly tickets. Confusing. Diff- yeah. Just just all that complicated complexity is just useless. Like ultimately, a slightly fractionally more expensive fare is worth it if you're adding to simplicity. Frankly, uh, and then poor integration. So the idea of like. Um, yeah, this is this is good. In one home county's town with generally excellent bus services, misguided landscaping and redevelopment around the railway station moved bus stops further away. Really pleased to see that this sort of statement coming from government. Absolutely, this sort of thing is stupid. Planning can be really, really good at just having zero thought about the way that buses and trains interact. The fact that so many cities in in, in England uh, and Wales and Scotland, so many UK or kind of GB, I, I can't talk for Northern Ireland, but I imagine it's not, not dissimilar. So many UK bus stations, sort of urban bus stations, are not next to the railway station, are like miles from the railway station, or just don't acknowledge the two things exist. This is also bonkers. Uh, if anyone wants me to, if anyone's asking me a question, by the way, you want to spot, recommendation to at me in, just as Castardo has, uh, just has. Um, uh Castardo says as a Dutchman uh I can tell you it's perfectly possible to have a lot of different public transport companies and still have single unified payment system yeah it's possible I mean it that's that's kind of what Oyster is in, in London there are lots of different companies running those services but they're, they're all under kind of mostly I wish the bicycles were um all under one kind of operate a uh, kind of ticketing system which is good um, oh, Tom Sedgman used to take the bus to work outside Trithall, uh, and it was never on time in either direction. Yep, can confirm. And invariably, you'd miss it, but you'd never know whether you'd missed it and needed to give up and hitch. And so you'd end up waiting for 45 minutes, by which point you were stuck and late. Uh, never good. The idea you have to get out at the bus stop two hours before you want to get into Aber was just frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so here's the graph, which I think is fantastic, which explains a lot of, the, a lot of these decisions quite dramatically. There are two dashed vertical lines here, one of them in 1986 and the other one in kind of, when is it, 99, is it, the GLA Act? So the first dashed line is, is when bus deregulation happened. The second dashed line is when the Greater London Authority Act happened, which is when um, London started getting more control over its own transport, which was frankly, folks, a very good thing. And it should have happened across not just London, but all of the major municipalities in the UK. So, uh, oh, look at that. Bus deregulation happened. And um, and yes, there's an element of, of, of correlation, not causation here. But frankly, it, it is deregulation was a massive contributor to this. There's a big bold line here, which is... Um, buses bus services outside of london and that the number just dropped it just as soon as that as deregulation happens it just dropped away very dramatically dropped away with a little bit of stability here and there but mostly just rockets downwards and then as soon as local authority budgets started getting cut that that the the the, de- the amount decelerated you can see in recent years london's not done so well either that's partly the the rise of um 
uh, Uber and others that need to be regulated out of existence, but also uh, the proliferation of, or sorry, the proliferation of Uber, but also the the f- freezing of fuel duty has had an impact. Freezing of fuel duty has had a massive impact. You can see the increasing rate of the. So there's another line which is just a rapid upwards line, which is private car usage in in, in Great Britain, um, and it's just rapidly rocketing upwards. Interestingly, uh, inside London, bus use is pretty uh, was was kind of uh, so you can see the comparison. And it, uh, bus use when the GL Act, uh, the GLA Act uh, was enacted, bus use started climbing much more rapidly within uh, the Greater London Authority. So, generally, consideration that the the the, the uh, kind of regional control, devolved control of transport is a good thing. Oh, funny that I wish government would learn that about other things. Anyway. Um, so uh, also other issues about urban transit is that, that, yeah, bus companies sold off their inner city bus station, uh, kind of bus service depots, which meant that they can, they, now that buses are becoming more popular again, they can't actually serve that need because they can't get buses onto routes quickly enough to be reactive to peak and off-peak. All very rubbish. So lots of lots of problems. Uh, obviously, COVID, they're acknowledging COVID is causing uh, an impact as well. But again, that's kind of transient, and I wish they wouldn't focus on that because, frankly, we, you know, public transport needs to be driving modal shift again. So here's another graph, a graphic here. You'll recognize this because it was the graph broadly that we put up earlier. And it, you can see it's the it's the wibble wobble of, of bus usage. Um, only running up to September last year, I'll point out. But anyway, there we go. Uh, apologies if you can hear my uh, belly rumbling. Yes, it is happening. Um, so... Uh, that's so you you know what's going on there. I don't need to. Ta- we talked about this that at the start of the episode. Uh, it's already ten to eight. Crikey, I knew it happened. So here's some. So so then what's good is they talk about the opportunity and they talk about some example, some good examples. So um, here's Brighton and Hove. They talk about uh, partnership working between the the council and the local operators. And funnily enough, that means that Bright that collaboration means that Brighton and Hove has the highest bus use per head in England outside of London. So. Um, that's a great success story. There we go. There's one. Uh, there's another one, Harrogate Bus Company. Uh, this is, again, collaboration, uh, high-frequency timetable. The serv- the co- And there's actually a lot of these around. Uh, are they all trans devs? Is this a trans dev? Anyone? Anyone? Any bus people on here who can shout at me? If not, um, uh, there are some... Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because in North Yorkshire... There's some really good examples of excellent bus services. The Coastliner is, is like a fantastic example. of, uh, and, and actually, uh, the, the buses around York, are like you know, charging points, the, the Selby bus, the, the Selby bus is, from York to Selby is so much better than the train alternative for all sorts of reasons. Um, you know, not least that the, the direct connection is missing, but the, the bus is so good. You know, charging points, Wi-Fi, they're comfortable, it's, it's frequent, it's just fantastic. Okay, it gets stuck in traffic on the A9T, but that's kind of, uh, that's, that's, that's not the bus's fault necessarily and i think it's similar on the for the harrogate bus company it's a, a similar story uh, i think they, they you know they've got really high quality buses you get in it's like this is modern nice comfortable partly electrified if not fully electric they're just great buses uh metro bus uh this is this kind of a partial like a kind of a i don't know why they call it metro but you know what i'm like i don't like metro being used where it isn't metro because it gives people an excuse to not do actual metro but basically it's kind of a, it's a dedicated bus corridor it's improved buses segregated busways to generally improve you know physical infrastructure that makes buses work the, the acknowledgement here is that actually de- dedicated segregated infrastructure for buses improves reliability improves journey times and improves ridership you know you, you just increase the numbers um yeah they're all transdev i have to say generally uh, it's not always the case but transdev are just generally all credits them 
awesome when I, I, there might be examples that, that buck the trend of that but my experience is that transdev is a pretty reliably good bus operator um where they're able to do that, that to have that collaboration with the local authority I, I i see success stories um all over the place uh that are that i then look and it's like oh it's transdev again so uh there you are transdev uh i'll uh, checks in the post please uh or i don't know free bus travel for a week or something i don't know so do it anyway uh I'm, j- I'm joking, everyone. It's a joke. Projects which have gone patronage. So, yeah, that was uh, gibberishy, wasn't it? Uh, West Midlands, they're doing some good uh, kind of subsidy by uh, local government, uh, kind of arresting general decline, kind of broadly bringing the bus branding in to kind of show, you know, make the, the branding part of the regional authority. So, so you have single unified uh, branding. I really like the West Midlands travel. Uh, I, I've, I talked about this in, in what structure should the railways have, you know, however many episodes ago that was. Um the uh yeah the the integrating uh transit under the kind of the the uh, sort of you know transport for the west midlands having its own a bit like tfl you know transport for london a bit like transport for edinburgh as well they've kind of got their bus and tram branding the, the idea of having unified regionally regional authority branding for transport is a really good thing and and in urban areas particularly and then combine that at the fringes then with the the broader um so so kind of the broader uh, picture with 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 kind of the wider midlands region that integration is a good thing so so basically they're kind of saying they want so the report then says oh we want to roll these models of success out we want we want more of this and then they're going to say that these are the things that they're going to these are the claims that let's hold the government to account on these so supporting new and increased services you know 300 million of funding to support the sector recovery from the pandemic doesn't sound that much to me giving local transport authorities skills and people they need to deliver the strategy with 25 million of the 300 million allocated in 21 22 so that's for training and stuff which to me is a skills focused person as well that sounds like a good idea i want to see how that manifests itself i also want to see to what extent it's replicating stuff that's had to be stripped out by the fact that central government has defunded local authorities so there's a bit of a giving you know taking away with one hand and then giving with the other and suggesting that it's because of government so that the cynic in me says well that just means that government can claim it as an electoral you know it can claim it during the election cycle and say look we did this whereas like actually you, you you just denied the local authority to do that which might well have been a different color of rosette just so that you could then do it via Westminster. All right, Thatcher, chill out. Um, and Blair, in fairness as well, they're both as bad as each other when it came to Westminster centralisation. Uh, bus priority schemes to speed up journeys, uh, talking more about the government being in favour of these. That's a good thing. If there is a kind of a general interest in government of these things happening, it, it's, it smooths the wheels of bureaucracy and these things can move quicker. Um, the fact that HS2 is not is like a mixed amount of love for it in the current government uh, kind of uh, advisors and others... It's no coincidence that HS2 is kind of slowing down and not get, and kind of uh, having issues with program. If there's not that energy and that that kind of momentum behind it in government, these are these are frustrating things that happen with if if, if government's basically not interested, things will slow down because government has to be involved in their legal processes, there are all these things. If there's an interest from government, things will speed up. So it's good that there is this this acknowledgement that government needs to do these things because it means there's more likelihood that, that they'll happen more rapidly. Um, looking at Detour's comments, yeah, there's lots of prosperitization still not happening in Bristol. Uh, I'm going to drink because my voice is about to disintegrate. Um, yeah, I'm always sceptical of the bus rapid transit um, name because I don't think such a thing exists. It's just better buses. But I acknowledge that segregated um, and improved 
buses with kind of better branding and and more obvious infrastructure on the ground for people is part of the in fact dr kevin tent who's joining us uh, next week uh, as i will tease later we might touch on this actually briefly because it's interesting to hear what he has to say he kind of talks about this he's written about this the idea of, of infrastructure permanence being a contributing factor to ridership it may be interesting to explore that um Anyway, that's for the future. Uh, they're accelerating the delivery of zero emission buses. They're throwing in a little bit of 120 million. Just to me, that seems like nothing. What is that? Probably uh, 60 buses. Not that many. Uh, and the bulk of the 3 billion transformation funding will be paid after the transformational changes begin in 2022. Uh, okay. Whatevs. Um, the buses we want. So this is a discussion about buses. Are these about specific buses? We want to increase patronage and raise Buses, mode share, blah, blah, blah. Here's some nice pictures of nice buses. Um, the, the, means, so more frequent buses, yep. Faster, more reliable buses, yep. Cheaper buses, okay, yeah, uh, fine. Uh, daily price capping, that sort of thing, yeah, fine. Uh, more comprehensive uh, buses. So, yeah, over-provision on the busy routes. This is this is the um, letting Uber and, and commercialization do public transport, is that you end up with too much public transport where people ride it and not enough where people need it. So you end up with over-provision. So that's just a common theme of, of the commercialization of public transport more generally. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's an acknowledgement of that, which is nice. Uh, and also the key thing here is, is uh, this is really important, is, is easier to understand buses. So, and again, this is about integration. All public transport across England, uh, they're saying England there because it's, oh, they only really have control because everything else is devolved, right? But they're saying all public transport across England, bus, light rail, and conventional rail should be easy to access via journey planning websites and apps. Absolutely. Including times, accessibility information, fares, live running. Data is already available. We want to see it used additionally. Um, they want more accurate information at bus stops. So kind of rolling out some of those when's the next bus appearing stuff to have happen at all bus stops. Absolutely. Um, uh, common numbering systems for local areas. To, so, so kind of local branding. So this is a thing that you'll have seen governments gently been pushing already. It, it already DFT had already been pushing it to happen on the railways. You know, when those when the name the new rail names of the franchise holders, how many years ago, got announced, and you saw the the dropping away of company names and the, the names like LNER, GWR, London Northwestern, etc. These these names kind of harking back to the olden days. Ugh. But also, uh, basically, to get rid of company names, so that uh, the 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 uh, and it's kind of buying into that kind of same logic is that the service should have continuous names, so people kind of know what they're getting. Which which I agree with. I do agree with that. It's just just talking about public transport being perceived as a service, no matter what's happening under the hood. Which fine. Um, heavy promotion marketing timetable changes should be minimized and coordinated uh, the, all these sort of sensible-ish sounding things that, that are true as true on the railway by the way as they are for buses plenty for us to pay attention to and learn from um oh there's more what else have we got here easier to use so uh you know common tickets passes daily capping better to ride in you know comfortable high spec modern buses i presume more is accessibility yeah we've got accessibility in a minute integrate with other modes yes Railway stations should be hubs for connecting services. Absolutely, this often doesn't happen. You often have bus stops that are, you know, a 10, 15-minute walk away from the from the railway station or worse. Um, our ambition is for an integrated ticketing approach to allow you to buy a through journey for local bus, rail, and metro with a single, single tap on your smartphone. Big talk. Agree with that. Let's see it happen, though. Um, they can't say that on the one hand and then literally cancel transport for the north's ticketing uh work and plan for integrated ticketing on the other hand so again it's saying one thing cancelling on the other because they kind of want to announce it themselves this is where the the pork barrel element comes in which is really frustrating more park and ride they asked for uh greener they just put like 
more zero emissions buses for that. Accessible and inclusive by design. Uh, disabled people must be able to use bus services as easily as their passengers. Absolutely, this is critical. Making buses more accessible, uh, not just the vehicles themselves, but also bus stops, stations, uh, providing excellent customer service. Yeah, that's another thing. It's not just the physical infrastructure. Some of, some of the kind of the soft infrastructure, the, the virtual infrastructure, if you like, needs to be more accessible. It needs to be made accessible and inclusive. It needs to be both those things. See, if the Tories can write inclusivity, uh, you know, all the turfs out there should be able to get it too anyway right innovative we want to harness the entrepreneurial skills of the best operators yeah whatever i don't really that's just that's just garble speak to satisfy nobody seen as a safe mode of transport sector must strive for the highest safety this is a thing secure how, how safe and secure people feel on buses is important actually if there's a if, if that's a dissuading factor it needs to be resolved so things like cctv are shown to help with that um we want bus services that mean fewer journeys are needed by private car. That's a bold statement and a good one. I, I like seeing that. Government, I'm glad you've said that. This is good. Now, please do a pol- broader policy aims that actually make that happen, i.e. fuel duty. Unfreeze the damn number. Right, okay. Anyway, uh, good stuff. Our changes need, therefore need to tackle negative perceptions by non-users. It, we will have failed if we do not address the perceptions which deter people from buses. Uh, and here's passenger satisfaction, sort of some of the key sound bites about personal safety, children, uh, evenings, weekends, don't understand where local routes go, fares, worried I may get stuck somewhere. This is all good stuff. Yeah. Um, I think there is discussion about free Wi-Fi, David Shepard. Yeah, uh, I think that is mentioned somewhere in here. Uh, I think there's an acknowledgement of that as being part of a feature. So, yeah, these are the key things. Buses, that, and this is, yeah, I'm pleased to see they, they uh, transport focuses annual bus passenger survey. You know, the, the, the National Rail Passenger Survey is, is a key source of information for what passengers want for railways. Likewise for buses, their annual bus passenger survey does the same thing. Invaluable resource for just understanding the frame of reference for which people want to use our modes of transport that we provide as public transport providers. So, yeah, some good stuff there. I, I, I like that chapter. There's lots of good things to learn from, but it's lots of talk, not much action. Let's see what happens next. It's uh, one minute past eight. Hello to everyone who's been here for an hour and is upset that we've not talked mu- enough about buses yet. Any insights, by the way, do shout at me. Um, uh, yeah, Chris Bird, bus stop indicators often give a list of scheduled departures, but not real-time. Yeah, basically, those things are worse than useless if they're not real-time. They need to be real-time. They need to be proper real-time trackers. Um, using the same information that is that, that you know Google is using. when uh, Google is fantastic. Like Google Maps, okay, there are some issues by the fact that it bumps things like uber and, and and it can do you know and and google can be selective over what it prioritizes but broadly google maps is a really um yeah ellis says free wi-fi shouldn't need to exist yeah because 4g should be free for everyone yeah well that's you know that's that's another discussion but anyway um uh yeah the, the uh oh i lost my chain of thought it happens doesn't it what was i what was i waffling on about oh yeah google google maps in most cases uh, i can now go onto google maps pick any location in britain and click public transport and and say get me there from here and it will tell me the rail bus and indeed other mode connections generally pretty much all of them are now in that pretty much all of those buses are in that system now allowing me to get from a to b it's fantastic um it's brilliant and it's uh it just needs to be rolled out but those those systems are the systems that these clever that these clever bus uh custom information systems use they, they use the same thing googly maps thanks ella um yes yeah, so so that's good that's a good thing uh is saying that gps tracking of buses is should be a thing uh, and it's done in dublin it should be done everywhere yeah those sorts of things are easy they're, they're easy to to do right strong bus networks connect our communities getting people to jobs and services opportunities economic growth inclusion yeah uh, all good stuff yes to all of this 
Um, so it's kind of going back to describing the bus sector today, and we don't need to kind of go over that again. And, and the building back better. By the way, it wasn't building back better a Labour slogan. Like, wasn't that a, like a, a Corbyn slogan that the current government has nicked and made their own? Just, just checking. Anyway, so this is a, a term which we're going to see quite a lot mentioned in the report, which is the enhanced partnership. Basically, I think the enhanced partnership is basically it is just local authority and bus companies uh, talking to each other and actually, you know, the local authority having more. Uh, the bus company goes, yeah, actually, let's do a little more local authority. We'll accept an element of control from the local authority if the local authority spends some cash to make our, to help our buses run better. And it's 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 almost a bit of an, a, a kind of a I don't know if it's an informal or formal agreement on that front. I presume it's formal because you know Britain and litigiousness. But I think it's kind of that's the basis for it. Um, uh, and uh, oh, it's Biden. Was it Biden originally? Anyway, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Was it actually Biden originally? I'm I'm not so sure. Uh, yeah, we're currently building back exactly the same. I think we're building back worse uh, at this point. Anarcho Joe. Was it actually Biden who came up with that that one? Uh, get googling. Get on the Google search results to find that out, uh, folks. So uh, this this discussion of enhanced partnerships and this seems to be the, fa- the, be the favoured sort of transition model, if not the final model, but this favoured transition model by the Bus Back Better report. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna have to drink another drink of water. Sorry, everyone, my throat's uh I was positive it was. A, I'm sure I saw it as a Labour thing first. Not that I particularly care about uh, the Labour Party claiming a slogan, but it's just another thing that's been. If it is the case, it's yet another th- policy that's been nicked by the incumbents. Um, right. The key thing is that the legislation is changing. That things need to happen, and this is kind of interesting to focus. It's not interesting. This is important to focus on. So by the end of June this year, local transit authority, local transit, local transport authorities will need to commit to establishing enhanced partnerships as a minimum under the Bus Services Act um, or begin the statutory process of franchising services. So franchising is the next step where local authorities have total control uh, and they just franchise out the operate. They can concede. They con- it's, a con- it's almost a concession model, really. It's kind of not it's similar. When it comes to buses, it's broadly the same thing. People are going to correct me on that. Um, so... Uh, operators in those areas should cooperate uh, should cooperate with those processes. So basically it's saying the law is going to mean that local transport authorities need to have committed to either establishing an enhanced partnership or beginning the, pro- the, the legal process to, to do service franchising. Um, the ones who don't... Um, uh, the ones who don't have access to franchising powers at present but consider that it's the best route um, should uh, progress with the implementation of an enhanced partnership alongside applying to the Secretary of State. So they should start the enhanced partnership as well as continue to... So basically, the government is, I suppose, usefully saying, look, if you start an enhanced partnership, it won't prejudice your process towards bus franchising, which is, seems to me fair enough. I'm sure people will point out some of the issues with that. Um, by the end of October this year, uh, local transport authorities will need to publish a local bus service improvement plan, a, a BUSIP, They've not actually written the thing there, to be fair. Each plan will need to be updated annually and reflected uh, in the local uh, transport authority. Uh, so many, so much jargon. The LC WIP. It's got to be related to the LC WIP, which is the Cycling and Walking Infrastructure Plans, the Active Travel Plan. Um, I don't know why they didn't call them like ATAPs, Active Travel Plan. I suppose Active Travel is, a jar- is jargon, but then they turn it into jargon anyway, so it undermines the fact that it was trying not to be jargon, whatever. LC WIPs is a thing that I hear a lot of when I'm on this stuff, when I, when I 
uh, sorry to the uh, York Cycle campaign. I've been a useless committee member this year uh, with COVID and everything, but I'll, I'll be better when things are back to normal a bit, I promise. Anyway, yeah, but we, the York Cycle campaign, we, we've come across LC, we're kind of dealing with the LC whip and, and, and York's one or lack of sensible one and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so the, uh, it needs to be basically by October 21, the, the LTA needs to have established that uh, improvement plan and say what they're going to do. And from April 2022, they have to have this stuff in place. Otherwise, they start losing cash. That's basically the thing. They'll, they'll, um, they'll, start, they'll stop getting the, the support that they otherwise would do if they haven't started doing these things. Um, yeah, there's a bit of a discussion about franchising working well for railways and not for It's a little bit different franchising for buses and correct me if i'm wrong this franchising for buses is kind of like it's kind of more like the equivalent of concessions on the railway any anyone wanting to correct me on that but as i see it that kind of like franchise bus franchising is a bit more like the equivalent of doing rail operators as a concession model in 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 in, in what in the way that it functions anyone kind of yeah that sort of it ends up being a bit like that because just because of the way that control and infrastructure, the, the way the physical infrastructure works, you know, the railway has its own dedicated physical infrastructure, whereas buses don't. And so there's a slight, there's a slight difference in, in sort of, yeah, uh, I'm waiting for the chat to go. Yeah, that basically works. No one's disagreeing with me yet. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. Bus franchising is kind of the same as rail concession holding. Um, yeah. So there's, so there's, uh, the, the difference is about the profit making you know, ultimately the bus franchising means that they can, they can stand to make a profit when things go well, whereas a concession, they just get a fixed amount of cash, but actually the, the, the kind of, um, yeah, thanks David Bumstead and thanks Rick Townend for your questions and queries. And David Bumstead, yeah, David Bumstead, your question was a good one, but Rick Townend answered it for you. Nice one. Love the love the YouTube chat, by the way. Uh, you, you lot are always helpful and and great. So that's my that's my kind of rubbish explanation of of what of concession for rail is kind of the equivalent of franchising for bus, right? Sort of expect the same thing. So this is a bit of a description of what the bus service improvement plan needs to do, um, and they, and they talk about the fact that so so what what they what it needs to do what they expect it to kind of achieve. And then they, I think they say, uh, yeah, and what it needs to explain. So this is provided, this is saying, look, you need it to do all this stuff. And I think they say that there'll be cash provided to train uh, local transport officers and, and those involved in this process to actually, um, yeah, the, the kind of the government is going to provide cash to train people on, on, and provide kind of guidance on, on what this needs to look like and will provide support to allow local authorities to create this stuff. Um, I'm not going to go into the detail on this because you can look at it, it's a bit kind of fiddly. And, and, but the, the idea of this bus service improvement plan is the thing that will say we're going to use an enhanced partnership or we, we're, we're going to use an enhanced partnership while we try to get bus franchising as well. Um, so they hear they're talking about bus franchising. Uh, I don't think there's much particularly... Oh, the Secretary of State will re- reserve the right to refuse an application for franchising if he, ugh, if they, it should say they, for God's sake, uh, believe that an LTA does not or will not have the capability and resources to deliver the franchise model chosen, or that an enhanced partnership would deliver the improvements proposed more quickly and cost-effectively. I, I mean, I can understand, if, if it wasn't the Tories in charge, you can kind of understand that statement, but, you know, it's a little bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card that the Secretary of State can essentially go, no, no burn, I'm not getting your franchising because we know that if you get franchising, it'll look really good for you. Anyway, um, but I, you know, I can kind of understand a bit of, you know, if, if there's an over-eager local transport authority that, or a local authority that is clearly not going to, that franchising is not actually going to work, then, then there, there is some level of understanding that the Secretary of State would have a, a power of veto over that. It's kind of understandable, but there's a risk that it can be exp- exploited. Um 
Uh, Rick Turner, please don't cut the news section. It's one of the parts of... Uh, are people suggesting I should cut the news section? I haven't seen that in the chat. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to cut the news section. It's 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 part... Rail Lat is kind of a discussion, and it over, always overruns, and my logic is that people can come back and watch this bit, uh, which maybe parts of this aren't as, as interactive as the news is, and blah, blah, blah. So, sorry. Yeah, I'm not cutting the news. I, I might skip it when I have guests, because I don't want to take up the guests' time more than anything else, but I'm always going to have the news in Rail Lat. It's an important part of it, I think. It's a chance for us to discuss, even though, because we had so much, I didn't really do much discussion this time, did I? Sorry. Anyway. Um, no, no, Rail Matter news is staying. So, sorry, this is happening in the YouTube chat for all the audio people, all the only people who are like, why has he he's changed the subject again? He's bounced around to another topic again. Sorry, this, if you're not, if you've not got used to this by episode, what is this, 61 by now, then I can't help you. Right, so, although I love your patronage, please keep listening, uh, blah, blah, blah. Right, uh, I don't, this section is, is about funding and, and bus set. This is the 25 million. So this is what I was talking about. They're going to provide, they're going to establish England's first bus center of excellence, uh, enabling the delivery of a long-term program of, I like seeing long-term program. That's nice. Of activities and support. Kind of sounds like a good idea to me. Centralized teaching resource that people can send their, you know, transport officers for away days. And they kind of learn. That sounds like a good idea. Is it replacing resource and skills and training opportunities that have been gutted as a result of, uh, you know, 50% chops to local authority funding, maybe. But anyway, okay, fine. Sounds like a fairly sensible thing. Um, yeah, Ella, you're pointing out that when I was on your show, I was the one keeping you on topic. It's just a thing that happens when you're hosting because you've got, like, about 20% of my brain is doing the what am I going to say next and the, the other 80% is, is worrying about all the other stuff going on. It just happens, doesn't it? Um, I'm not very good at it. I don't know how I've managed to do so many of these and how many of you support me. Um, I love to you all. I don't know how, but why you do it's poor quality content but i do you seem to like it so i I love you all for it like and subscribe etc etc uh devolution here we are in line with previous devolution of bus funding to transport for london and transport for greater manchester we will work to devolve bus service operators grant uh including once it has been reformed to um combine is that mcas those mca is that combined authorities municipal combined authorities is that or metropolitan combined authorities is that what that means help help me there thanks 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 um and other ltas uh, who request it uh, bob's rail relics like the transport road laboratory of old yeah um this this bus center of excellence i think it is a bit like that yeah um right anyway we expect all local transit authorities to agree yeah we've, we've said this the commitments we've already discussed the commitments right um uh intensive services and investment on key corridors what's this little bit oh the this is talking about oh this is interesting so this is a thing that you know i advocate for on railways uh, which is that um uh in densely populated areas bus services should be so frequent that people don't need a timetable and evening services on these roads should be at least every 15 minutes yeah i like that that's important if you can make it so people don't care when the time what about the timetable that's when public transport really comes into its own and that drives that's a virtuous cycle of like more people rely on it therefore it becomes more reliable therefore more people are comfortable relying on it therefore it becomes more reliable because you know you can fund it better it's kind of it's a virtuous cycle it's good stuff uh significant increases in bus priority so this is a bit like gear change for cycling this is a key um uh this is an absolute <laughs> gareth williams mca maritime and coast guard agency thank you uh, gareth williams very helpful um uh, there must be significant increases in bus priority. Yeah, I like this. I like this. This is important. It's basically saying more priority to buses, less priority to private vehicles. Uh, yes, good. It's talking about traffic signal priority, bus gates, clear and consistent signage, all critical stuff. Um, 
there's there's a lot of stuff underneath this more comprehensive socially necessary services super bus networks for intermediate areas so kind of neither urbanized or rural like fully urbanized or deeply rural sort of some of these sort of uh semi-fast buses if you like a bit like that key route lots of good stuff for generally improving the 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 consistency and reliability of bus services Um, and then it's a kind of an alleged promise from government to modernize the bus service operators grant to move it away from being a um well, the bus service operators grant is essentially a fuel-based subsidy. It's not right for the 20, uh, 21st century and the environmental challenges we face. So they're going to refocus it to being a uh, kind of, yeah, they're, they're kind of moving the main element from fuel consumption to distance rates, which would address the current problem where um, zero emissions vehicles don't get that bus service operators grant. Yeah, this is this is a, something that's going to have to work out to the broader transport picture with private vehicles eventually, but yeah, this is this is good. This is this is a good change. It makes sense and it's always nice to see government saying the right things, which I think it is here. Um other people might be able to pick me up on it, but um mayoral combined authorities. James P, thank you so much. Mayoral combined authorities. So like uh yeah, so Wyka is one, your West Yorkshire, uh, which Tracy Brabham just won. Congratulations, Tracy. Um, you know, Burnham, uh, Rotherham, uh, and and uh, and now no longer Palmer. Hooray! Anyway, uh, ending payments for dead mileage between depots, start, finish, and passengers. Lots of sensible looking. Additional amount for rural bus services. Just that looks sensible to me. I have to say, fair play, that all looks sensible. Uh, we'll make sure that future local transport is joined up. So they're kind of so the so this is again this is a promise from government central government saying look where we're in charge of a thing we'll do our, we'll endeavour to ensure it's connected to the thing you're trying to do fair enough again uh, and this is where I I did a little bit of a oh okay uh, fair play to this paper I was getting to this point page forty nine by the way and I was like they haven't mentioned municipal authority like municipally run bus companies I'm angry about this but then. They, there's the section on Reading Buses. Reading Buses is owned by Reading Borough Council and has been transporting passengers for over 100 years. It has one of the youngest and most environmentally friendly fleets in the UK. And in the autumn 2019 Transport Focus Bus Passenger Survey, they scored um, incredibly high passenger satisfaction, 92%, uh, which is great. Uh, bus usage has grown through consistent partnership working between the council and the bus company, resulting in Reading having the second highest bus use in England uh, away from uh, after Brighton and Hove um, and outside of London, uh, which is fantastic. Um just absolutely incredible 40 percent increase in ridership in the last six it, it, pre-covid uh, in the last six years just a tremendous success story and i was pleased to see them talking about this um so i i i don't know to what extent they say um yeah this is a good an interesting line so oh also they talk about gear change the fact that buses will be uh bikes will be carried on more buses for me that's important that's a good thing um so you kind of talk about gear change they refer to gear change and integrating these two things um this paragraph is interesting. So we will review whether it remains right that local authorities cannot set up new bus companies. Um, the Bus Services Act 2017 prevented further municipal uh, kind of local authority owned bus companies being set up from scratch. While this is not an absolute barrier, as local authorities can already purchase an existing bus or coach company, we believe this part of the legislation is ripe for review. This is, a, again, fair play to them. They are saying, actually, maybe it is a good idea to have municipal um, bus companies yeah they, they acknowledge that there are only a handful of municipal bus companies at present but there are some strongly performing examples among them they're basically saying actually statistically a municipal bus company is likely to be a success story that's a good thing folks um uh does this report uh, matt reed asked does this report say anything about getting rid of the diesel engine bus yeah they do they, they do talk about that in the, kind of the next the kind of later chapter 
this is so this is da 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 stimulate what's this about this what's this last thing law commission future proofing regulated framework more flexible services okay bit of thing about license okay this is some stuff that a bit of legalese i'm not entirely oh they talk about automated vehicles boo it, 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 it doesn't need you've got a driver does it don't make the bus more expensive and complicated and 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 it just pay a person a skilled bus driver to drive the bus that's fine it's fine to have a bus driver people like having a bus driver they feel safer it's you know it's a community cohesion thing just have a driver it's fine <laughs> We want to stimulate innovation and able to thrive, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so here there are some, some nine principles for future transport. Right. New modes of transport and new mobility services must be safe and secure by design, number one. Number two, benefits of innovation and mobility must be available to all parts of the UK and all segments of society, yet agreed. Three, walking, cycling, active travel must remain the best options for short urban journeys. Yep, true. Um, four, mass transit must remain fundamental to an efficient transport system. Good. That's kind of acknowledging that automated systems... Um, well, okay, DLR is a mass transit system-ish, so uh, that's, you know, that's automated. It can happen. Uh, uh, so that the same mass transit must remain fundamental. Good. These principles are fairly sensible, by the way. New mobility services must lead to the transition to zero emissions, so saying don't just go to Uber and have pumping out the, the diesel fumes. Um, mobility innovation must help to reduce congestion through more efficient use of limited roads. Again, it's kind of acknowledging the uselessness of, of Uber and, and gig economy taxi systems. Marketplace for mobility must be open to stimulate innovation and give the best deal to consumers. Well, that's not really real because geography is by nature becomes a natural monopoly. Uh, new, but, but whatever, I kind of get what they're saying. New mobility services must be designed to operate as part of an integrated transport system. Yep, fine. And data must be shared. So it's an open data thing. Hooray! I, I kind of agree with those nine principles. Those are kind of related to innovation, right? How many chapters? We're in th chapter three of, what, five? God. What time is it? 2020. I'm going to hammer through these more quickly. Sorry. COVID measures. I'm going to ignore the COVID stuff because it's not relevant, really. Delivering for passengers. We will set a high bar for standards enabling buses to be used by all. Okay. Here is much waffle. Uh, lots of regulation-based stuff. Bus service registration process. Uh, fares must be lower and simpler. Okay, so this is sort of some of the administrative side. Seamless integrated local ticketing. <clears throat> um, oh, here's a bus. Uh, so this is another interesting thing, which is relative expenses of buses, rail, and road. Uh, the light blue here being motoring and the price is just dropping off massively. Um, rail, interestingly, yeah, rail doing not great is quite a lot more substantially expensive than motoring but then actually buses leapt upwards in like 2015 i presume that was from local authority funding cuts and therefore local authorities putting more onus on passengers to pay for services that's a horrible leap there i'd be interested to know exactly what caused that but um not great um driving should be the most expensive of those not the cheapest it's not everyone can own a car and therefore if you make car the default cheap thing that means it's not cheap it's expensive and it means that uh, buses and rail and, and mass and public transport is even less accessible these are bad things folks integrated service pattern pattern supporting people into work so this is kind of a job center plus discount travel that's good they're kind of going through all the things that buses do now and, and how those might change again not going to concentrate on the details read through and um uh yeah ella's shouting about getting it so more standardized in more places yes please for goodness sake travel cards are a thing and also just contactless more generally as well uh enable both contactless just leaping to contactless can be uh exclusionary so yeah uh it's so standard and get your if you want to know what that is google itso smart card and you'll get information about it services must be simple and easier to understand yes all this stuff there's some more good examples of like nottingham's hucknall connect the idea of this is it's a bit of a a bit of a, a kind of a 
um, dynamic system that enables them to get it. There's some, some interesting st- kind of examples. Uh, networks must feel like a whole system which works together. We will promote buses aiming to demystify them, improve their image. I don't know what that means. That worries me slightly. What? Who are they going to pay to do some bus adverts? I don't know. Um, oh, I like this one. This is Tease Valley, Tease Flex service, which is kind of like, forget the autonomous bus nonsense about what like what you can have. No, flexible, and I know this is what people say autonomous buses could do, but you don't need it to be autonomous. This can do it now with a, with a driver and a driver advisory system. There is a driver driving what is like a big minibus around, which is flexible. Uh, it was introduced, fair played, by the, the, the uh, Tory Tease Valley, Hooshin, isn't it? Is that right? Have I pronounced that right? I hope I have. Sorry, Ben, if I haven't. Um, Introduced in February 2020, it's kind of this um, fully accessible minibus, and it kind of is on-demand and pre-bookable, which to me, uh, on the fringes, where where it's it's not necessarily f- sensible to have a constant high-frequency service, this is not a bad way to provide uh, connectivity in communities where it can kind of dash around, or you've got a, kind of a, a quite a sprawling, uh, kind of uh, semi-urban, suburban, or kind of semi-rural uh, type of environment. Really interesting. Uh, worth looking up how that that functions i think it's a success story and that's why they put it in which is good we'll give bus passengers more of a voice and say so they kind of hopefully that will mean more transport focus kind of activity as well more on-demand bus services there's another one down at go coach in seven oaks which seems like a reasonable um again showing that you don't need driverless to have on-demand services it's not it's not it's not radical revolution it's merely just evolution of what buses can do now but but using a bit of that data that we've got access to and also just like i don't know a phone slash an app that says actually i quite fancy riding the bus at this point um yeah so so they they talk about that more demand responsive sort of service um they talk about bus rapid transit i know i don't really like brt as a as a thing but basically it just means more segregated infrastructure they say they're going to support that they're talking about glider in in um in belfast and also the lease off of Manchester Busway. Uh, they talk about Cambridge Guided Busway. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but uh, now, to be fair to it, like actually is does have a purpose, does function. Yeah, uh, segregated busways are a thing. They are they work. They're good. Actually, they are good if combined with like you know. Actually, I don't know if anywhere they talk about trolley buses in here. I bet they don't because you know government doesn't like electrification. But anyway. Oh, here's the Belfast Glider. I have mixed feelings about this. It's it's a bussy, trammy thing. Oh, I presume it works fine, but no one should pretend that this is like this is a good transition system. But ultimately, if you've seen one of these, the chances are it'll eventually become it should eventually become a proper tram because if you've got super high frequencies, eventually the, it, it's going to merit having a tram, not a. But anyway, the point is, it comes with like tram style stops and all this stuff, and it's the permanent of infrastructure that Kevin Tennant has kind of gone on about. Yeah, sort of some of these. Uh, yeah, like some of these things that make it feel a bit like a tram and, and, and theoretically. But there are, as I've talked about, when I talked about the Cambridge Autonomous Metro, there are reasons why trams, why, why steel on steel is better than tar- tarmac on tar- uh, tar on tarmac. And this is the bit that, Matt, you were asking about earlier. The Green Bus Revolution. Yes, I'm going to whistle. Oh, it's York again. Hooray. These are not, these are lovely, by the way. The York Park and Ride buses are great. They're really, really nice. Like, in fact, a lot of the buses in and around York at the moment, are, are, they are fantastic, really good. They just don't run frequently enough. And there are some big gaps. Um, the UK has one of the most ambitious approaches in the world to achieving net zero by 2050. That's kind of half true. I think that's a bit we're blowing our own trumpet a little bit there, frankly, because um, we're we you know given that we do fun, some creative accounting to ignore some of our own emissions, and we also ignore the fact that that's because we've outsourced a lot of our emissions to China uh, because they build they make a lot of our stuff. That's kind of a bit disingenuous, frankly. But anyway, it's kind of a bit true. 
So they're talking about what buses can do to achieve that and the fact that even a, a nasty fumy bus is, is a good thing. But actually, if you then decarbonize, you've got net zero bus services considering all technologies fairly. So they're saying that we're not going to prioritize. Fuel must be green, blah, 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 blah. We don't necessarily go for, elect- for like battery that we're open-minded, fair, fine. Um, it's less of an issue on buses because it's easier to deploy trial. Th- it's, it's easier to deploy sort of trials within the bus industry than it is within rail, I'd argue, because of the additional complexity of rail vehicles. I think with buses, it's easier. A bus is easier to kind of muck around with different options because there are hydrogen buses around, there are battery buses around. We have been playing with different alternative tra- uh, kind of uh, technologies for powering them. Fine, do that. Buses are a good place to muck around with that stuff. But basically, the point is they're going to provide. Oh, there we go. We're nearly there. Uh, they're going to. The point they're saying is they are going to provide cash for people to. Um, to deliver more uh, electric buses. They are going to do that. So, fine. There's a little bit about, which is interesting, which raised my eyebrows about the, the zero emission bus regional areas, Zebra scheme. So it's kind of like a ultra emission zone, but kind of only looking at buses. That's kind of fine. And buses can account for quite a lot of pollution, but ultimately it needs to be combined with excluding private ve- polluting private vehicles as well, if not entirely excluding private vehicles other than those with a blue badge. So, yeah, there we go. Some interesting stuff. And actually, I think from this point, that's kind of... What is it? 2027? Okay, it's another hour and a half. Uh, some stuff about COVID. I don't... I'm going to just ignore the COVID stuff because I don't think it's super relevant. But that's the report. I just made that flash a lot. I need to stop doing that. I'm so sorry to anyone who has photosensitivity. Hopefully I wasn't too bad. I keep... It's a really bad habit. I really apologize. Um, So, questions. Send your questions in. I'm going to do my normal ending bits. But, um, yeah, send them in. Oh, you're just seeing the flashing. Uh, I was 40 seconds behind. So, oh, get rid of my face. That's it, buses. Uh, I'm gonna big, I'm gonna bring Big Face back before I close out to kind of do some closing remarks. But before I do that, thank you to all the people listening in audio only mode. This slide is silly, but it's colourful and it's a useful kind of bookend to remind me that. So, for the people who are listening, audio only mode, thank you. And, and audio mode, only mode is available if you want to listen again when you're on, on a jog or, um, you know, on the way to the pub to meet friends, which can happen now. Hooray! Um, so yeah, thanks to all the people who listen in audio-only form. Uh, I hope it's it works. Again, give me feedback if it doesn't. If there is general things that I could do better, like my darting around probably, then do let me know and I'll try. Patreon, Discord, PayPal. You know this slide, everyone who's a regular watcher. The Patreon. To all the Patreon supporters, thank you so much. You do enable this to happen. Um, if you support me on Patreon, you get goodies like... Um, you do, and it hasn't happened for a while because I've been riding on lots of solo episodes recently because this kind of felt like a bit of a backlog of reports to get through and stuff and a lot of news and a lot of people are really busy at the moment as well but we do have some guests you know, as I say mate Kevin's joining us next week which is nice um, but there are guests I, I, what's really good is if you recommend um, guests to me that you want to come on to Railnet to do that Patreon folks uh, not someone, it's happened a few times I, I will um, you know, I will reach out to people but uh, do more of that because it, it really helps if you recommend a guest that's really useful but also recommend the solo apps you want to see as well and I am going to do a few weekends. I'm going to do some traveling around by rail and do some more of the green rail natter episodes. If anyone remembers what those are. Um, so uh, the discord, the discord server is where these recommendations happen, particularly for Patreon people, but also general rail natter chatter uh, happens in, uh, in the discord server. So uh, go on to that. Um, and PayPal as well. If you want to just uh, kind of, if, if, if you want to kind of treat me as sort of contingent workforce, then uh, you can do it through PayPal. So that's, patreon.com slash garethdennis, garethdennis.co.uk slash discord, and paypal.me slash garethdennis. Those are the three links. Thank you very much indeed. I feel like a local radio host. Hello there. 
Uh, I what even was that accent? I don't know. I was, I was like, thought in my head, maybe do a Ken Dodd, and then I didn't do a Ken Dodd. I did like a... I don't know why I did. That was embarrassing. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. Next week, we are talking about Pacers again. Hooray! Uh, Dr. Kevin Tennant might shout at me and tell me to change the title of this because he, he wants it to be more academic and less um, rude about Pacers. But no, no, episode 62 of Real Natter is going to be uh, Pacers Were Bad and Save Nothing. Uh, yep. That's uh, that's a, a, a title that is not only uh, uh, kind of uh, incendiary, but it's also 100% accurate. Sorry, folks. So this is going to be an interesting subject. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a bit like the old 158 episode, actually, because I think I, I, there's going to be a bit of a history of how I'm waving my arms around. You can't see me doing so because I'm missing my... Uh, um, you can't see my face. Anyway, uh, yeah, this should be good. Kevin Tennant's joining us. Uh, Dr. Kevin Tennant. It's going to be good. Uh, Dr. Kevin Tennant is working on a... Uh, it's kind of, I think, towards the end of working on a paper where he talks about all the stuff he's uncovered in here. Uh, lots of research that uh, Dr. Kevin Tennant and Dr. David Turner have been doing together. I think Kevin had kind of been leading the project and sort of David... Uh, they've basically been collabing on this, but Kevin's really kind of... Uh, holding the reins on it and um this yeah i uh uh yeah so bob's rail relics were they still running here yeah that's a very good point they are still running in a few places i can only apologize um yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk about paces folks and we're gonna talk about why they are we're gonna talk about how they appeared because they were a bit of an accident and uh and in and other senses they're an accident waiting to happen uh yeah we'll talk about where they came from We'll talk about some of the numbers. So Kevin's got loads of interesting data that hopefully will, or kind of a fair amount of interesting data that we'll pick through. Anyway, that should be fun. It's 2032. I'm sorry this one's run on everyone. <sighs> Let's come back to my large face. Hello, everyone. Hello, my face is back. Oh, right. Some questions have come through, which is great. So I'm going to squiz up here. Uh, uh, thoughts? Uh, Michael C. asks. Um... Yeah, Bob's Rail Relics actually says, bookmark this date and come back in two years and let's see what actually happens. Yep, very good point. We have to hold government... To the good thing about reports like this, the good thing about a strategy... Okay, this isn't a mapped strategy, but this is a strategy. And everyone knows I like strategy. Strategies are a good thing. They're a very good thing. This is a strategy. The other good thing about a strategy, other than there being a direction for people to push in is... My face is very pink. Um, is that it means that we can hold government to account against the strategy, which is part of the reason why they don't get created very often. Um, this is good. Yeah, you're absolutely right, uh, Bob's Rail Relics. Michael C., thoughts on the report if they replaced all the bus with train? It seems like a very good report, and the mixed signals is very bizarre. Um, yeah, uh, agreed. One of these needs to happen with rail, but there's, there's kind of, there are some, I think to an extent, maybe the Williams Shapps white paper is going to try and attempt to do some of that. Uh, we'll see. That's going to be coming out. So obviously when that drops, which should be the next couple of weeks, that'll be a Rail Natter episode. And I, I might well drop the news on that one because goodness knows how much it'll take time it'll take us to pick through it in detail. And I'll maybe do that live, raw, first time I'm seeing it on stream so that you all get my anger. Or maybe happiness. Could be joyous. It could be a joyous occasion. We'll find out. Tom Sedgman. Uh, how feasible do you think it would be to convert Bristol's guided busways to trams? There's, there is a there is an element of that. Edinburgh did it, for example. They converted the busway, the, the kind of the short stint of busway next to the railway near Edinburgh, or kind of um, in the kind of the outskirts of Edinburgh, um, into the tramway. It is possible, yeah, because you've got a protected, segregated route, line of route. Um, generally, the tonnages are not dissimilar, so it doesn't. Often, the busway might well be designed by the engineers with that in mind, so there might well be a, a level of additional redundancy to allow it to be upgraded to become like rail vehicle um, rather than you know bus. So yeah, generally quite feasible. It depends on what's in the middle that's the issue. It's the gaps that are in the, in the middle. Uh, goodbye to those who've dropped out. Uh, 
tap is a uh, lord by um paul rogers night buses and regular buses in the countryside your thoughts please uh, both of the above need to happen night buses mean that pe- the, the, the 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 buses buses are available for shift workers um who are generally the people who we need to, who, who rely on buses anyway um shift workers uh it enables people coming back from you know maybe uh nights out coming back from seeing friends family night buses good thing likewise rural buses where rural areas often don't merit the as we talked about you know i don't think that the bus is the right option uh sorry i don't think rail is the right option uh certainly in the short to medium term for serving parts of west Wales, you know between Carmarthen and Aberystwyth. i don't think i think that better integration of the existing bus service and also um they need, they need to double up the service because the, the express bus often ends up being a local bus service and it stops everywhere if you just stick your hand out which which doesn't work they need to be on that bus service they should build larger more obvious formal bus stops that almost act a bit like railway stations but have a bus service that only calls at those and have that running through and then integrate that would be a far better service so i, I and then that would then integrate with local bus services i'm a big fan of rural bus and, and basically so buses are the the number one way of of the, the number one rural transport before before rail they then need to tie into where rail does exist or might exist again in the future um Marley C, do you have any ideas for how to improve public transport in Cornwall? The current train line is rather slow and winding. That's an entire episode, Marley C. Uh, for the future, perhaps. What to do in Cornwall? We'll maybe get there. David Shepherd, night buses and services happen in all cities. Yeah, agreed. David Shepherd, should railway line route maps show feeder buses to help promote them? Uh, kind of, yeah. I mean, railway maps are not that well used by the public anyway. Um, I think you know physical maps just get overcrowded anyway i think there's 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 a, there's a people like gareth pete oh gareth pete i need to get you on here for a rail matter i'll chat with you about but in terms of passenger information and clarity gareth might talk about that a bit um so uh yes and no i think that better in app integration is a good thing so if you've got a, a basically like there should be a single public transport app for either nationally or at least at a local authority level and again integration with things like google maps as well um so what else have we got what other queries have we got Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. um matt reed to reach the carbon target are trolley buses a realistic option in this day and age i i, I think there should there are no trolley buses operating in in the uk this, correct me not, i think that's right yeah, yeah, yeah i think it is the last ones were they in bradford with the last ones with bradford i was in um salter recently and i was appalled to see how recently they had a functioning and excellent um Trolleybus now running into what is a, a kind of a very tasty looking beer house and factory it used to be where the trams were maintained. I kind of I was like those doors are big. It must have been a tram house. Although it's a bit weird up here on the top of the hill in Saltaire. And then it's like no, no, there's a nice little interpretation board saying here, it what trams. Um, anyway, right. Ella developer, don't give me bus app ideas. I have too many projects. Well, yeah, I know, right? Um, right, that's that's plenty of questions because I've run this one on along. Thanks for everyone for for joining on that one. Um, my my final thoughts before we move on and I, I kind of reframe my head is uh, yeah it's it's good I, I think um, I think it's actually a good report it's a good strategy just like gear change it's a good document it's a good document we can use to hold not just government but also local authorities and bus companies to account with and um, I, I I am kind of vigorously all for it uh, yeah very much vigorously all for it so it's a good report as 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 has been said in the chat we need to hold government account using that that document. But now they've created it. Let's congratulate. There's a credit where credit's due. Good report. Um, let's make it happen. And if, if you're a bus person who wants to chat more about it, uh, hit me up because I would love to get a bus person on to talk about buses. Let's do it. Anyway, right. I will see you all 
in a week's time to talk about Pacers. It's going to be Pacer Natter. Um, anyway, right. Uh, yes. <laughs> cheerio, everyone. Cheerio. Cheerio.